0: Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash Happy Healthy You. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3
1: player.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. And I wonder if you guys are as confused as I am about what to eat. Nutrition is such an important part of our happy, healthy lifestyle, and there's so much information out there now, and things seem to be changing really fast, and I don't know. I have so many great people that have come on the podcast. Sharon McCrae is one of them, and she's a nutritionist. She received her training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where she learned holistic nutrition, health coaching, and the importance of preventive care. Her mission seems to be to work with clients to help them make permanent changes in their diet and lifestyle that produce real and lasting results. That's so awesome. She's also a Food for Life instructor for PCRM, which is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And in this capacity, she teaches nutrition and cooking classes designed by doctors and dietitians to teach disease prevention through a plant-based low-fat diet. Hi, Sharon McRae. Thanks for coming back on the podcast.
0: Hi, Connie. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Oh, it's so great. So Dana Simpler is our other guest, and she is an internal medicine doctor. She's been in private practice for 27 years, and she really believes in the value of preventive care. And of course, she incorporates it into her practice. About four years back, Dana started researching plant-based diets and its ability to really reverse so many diseases like heart disease and diabetes. And there is even evidence that a plant-based diet can reverse and keep cancer from reoccurring. So welcome Dr. Dana Simpler.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Glad to be with you, Connie.
2: So great to have you guys here. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of confusion out there. Um, we have plant-based diet. We have the paleo diet. We have vegetarian, vegan. I mean, what is the best diet for us? And Sharon, we podcasted before, and I know, let's start with this. Your mom's diagnosis of cancer really impacted your life and kind of set the course for you in so many ways. Can you just recap that for us and how that changed your life? Um, to kind of help you follow your bliss into this new career.
0: Sure. Well, my mom was diagnosed when I was in my early 20s. She was in her early 40s. And uh, she found the lump herself when she was in the shower. And when she went to the doctor to check it out, the doctor was pretty confident that it wasn't anything. But she had to undergo a biopsy anyway, and we were all stunned when they came back and said it was cancer. Um, As you can imagine, that filled me with fear for my own health destiny. And so she began her 26-year journey with breast cancer when she had several recurrences and ultimately passed away from it five years ago when it metastasized. But for me, what this meant was that I had to be really careful about what I did in my own life to protect myself. And so I started doing a lot of reading then and just started modifying my diet, started eating at the local health food store, gradually eliminated all types of animal products, starting with red meat and then poultry and then fish and seafood. And then when my mom was in her end stages of disease, I eliminated dairy from my diet, but I didn't do it knowing for certain that there was a connection. And it was only after that, when I read the China study by T. Colin Campbell, that I realized I had done the right thing and also needed to do that for my children. So it's it's really been a journey. And as I continue to learn on this path, I become more and more passionate about getting the message out to others as well and there are so many cases of cancer and heart disease and diabetes and autoimmune disorders that I hear on a constant basis and it's frustrating for me to know that so many of these cases could be reversed or could have been prevented in the first place had people known about this information so I'm very passionate about getting it out very grateful to have met Dana so that I can work with her to get the message out, not only to the general public, but to the medical professionals who will then disseminate it to the general public. So that's sort of been my mission.
2: You guys are it's so cool that you guys work together because Dana as a doctor, you really come to your medical practice it seems with the goal of giving your patients responsibility for their own wellness in a way that is empowering. And it's exciting because really traditional medicine has not embraced this concept. Can you talk about how you came to uh, start researching plant-based diets and where you've come from and where you're going with it?
1: Well, if if I cannot answer that question directly, I wanna let you know that Sharon and I just spent the last two days at a conference that was designed for physicians, by physicians, and other healthcare professionals on the health benefits of a plant-based diet. The particular focus of this conference was uh, diabetes. And the interesting thing is over and over and over, the doctors uh, said Uh the same thing that they were not taught nutrition in medical school, that the medical establishment is all about pills and procedures, that we basically have a sick care system, not a not a health and prevention system. And um, that many of them said that they were self-taught, and that's what happened with me as well. I've always been interested in any way to, uh, to improve my patient's health, and i I been suspicious that the pills and procedures were not the correct answer for everything. And so about three, four years ago, I stumbled on the China study, which opened up my uh, world to all kinds of scientific information that I had never heard at any of my lectures. And from there, I've gone to many, many conferences, the uh, American um, cancer uh, research and um uh, American Institute for Cancer Research. And um, there, there's also a new organization called the Plant-Based Nutrition um, Conference, which is being done, again, by physicians for physicians. And there's really um, this is really something that I think is exploding, although perhaps not fast enough.
2: Right, right. Why don't we talk about the China study, Dana, just for someone who may not have heard of it, because it seems like the China study has turned around a lot of minds on this subject.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's written by a, a PhD doctor, uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, and he actually entered his profession as a PhD nutritionist from uh, having grown up on a, a dairy farm and totally um, believing that the best way to feed the world was to get more protein in the diet through more animal products. And, um, but his research kept showing just the opposite. And so finally he had to do a paradigm shift in his own mind and his continued research showed that the healthiest diet is a whole food plant-based diet with little or no animal products, which is a surprise. And to your other thing that you mentioned when you started talking Connie about the paleo diet, that's another thing that we spent some time talking about yesterday at this conference and the the basic problem with the paleo and the grain brain and the wheat belly those new popular books that, that it's all basically a um an adaptation of the atkins diet which is supposed to be heavy in animal products like heavy in protein with low carbohydrate and while it can work in the short run to reduce weight it has been shown over and over again that in the long run, that that diet causes heart attacks, kidney failure, promotes cancer, promotes diabetes. In fact, there were a number of studies they showed us over the weekend where red meat, just the consumption of red meat is an independent risk factor for developing diabetes. I had never heard that before. I think we all kind of know red meat's not good for you from a heart point of view, but that red meat actually increases your risk of diabetes was news to me.
2: Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Gosh, it it is so confusing because there's so much information out there and it's like, what do we do? And uh, Sharon, maybe you could talk, let's just go right into it. What are we doing wrong in this country specifically? Um, Let's just talk about food. What are we doing wrong and what can we do better?
0: I think what we're doing wrong is we're not eating food. We're eating chemicals, we're eating preservatives and artificial flavors and colors that the food manufacturers have designed for us to basically hook us on these products. And in addition to that, of course, we're fed constantly by the media advertisements and um, you know all sorts of things telling us that these are the foods we should be eating. Milk does a body good, or whatever their new slogan right, is now. Right. And all of those things come directly from the government and from the industries. And so we have to really take it upon ourselves to educate ourselves so that we can protect ourselves and our children.
2: Dana, do you think the medical community is conscious of what they're doing? Is this kind of a, I mean, I mean it seems like there's a, there, there are a few people on the forefront of this movement to a plant-based, more of a plant-based dietary lifestyle, but most of the medical community doesn't seem to be on board. Do you think they're aware of the harm that they're doing to us?
1: No. <laughs> and um, and I don't think that doctors are inherently evil or anything, but yeah. we have a system that has been designed to take care of sick people, and there's a lot of money to be made in that. And um, there's you know really very little to no money to be made by making your patients well. In fact, I've. I've getting quite a a large group of plant-based people coming to my practice now. And honestly, I'm gonna go broke if those are the people I have to count on because they just don't get sick. (laughs) So to some extent, the, the, um, the whole business model is driven away from true preventative care. On top of that, since doctors don't get much nutrition education, then you, basically your doctor knows about as much about nutrition as you do. It's whatever they read in the newspaper or whatever. Um, and, and so it's, it's been very disturbing. And even our organizations like the American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association, they often get quite a bit of grant money from food manufacturers. So they don't want to come right out and, say, and talk bad about dairy or meat because they're getting partially funded by them. Mm, and then the even point. our government, I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of this, when um, the government puts out their food pyramids or whatever they're putting out, the people sitting on the boards that decide what's the healthy food are representatives from the food industry. In fact, the entire purpose of the USDA, when it was first developed, you know, you know, d- decades ago, was to promote meat and dairy consumption in this country. And they've done a very good job at that. So that's, I think, another thing is the public has this belief that the government is somehow um, independently reviewing the research, and they're really not. They're very much influenced.
2: Right. It's an association, and those associations are all about promotion, like you said, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we need to really be our own advocates for this um and and really demand a little bit more of our doctors do you do you find your patients are are asking for more of this nutritional information dana
1: well i would say my patients um many of whom have been with me for 27 years are probably asking for a little less because i'm in their face about it all the time yeah but but i think in general people are uh generally people are are very interested in this i mean if if you can make yourself well by eating a different way, then that's what you want to do. But there's a lot of confusion. And quite honestly, there's a lot of people who would rather take a pill than, than eat a better diet. And that's just human nature. You know, people have their own food addictions and uh, comforts and, right. um, you yeah. know, so not everybody honestly is interested in it, but the people that are interested in it um, need to have access to accurate information.
2: Sharon, what are the changes we need to make to prevent diseases like cancer, heart disease, and other, you know, diabetes, and the other inflammatory-based issues?
0: I think first we have to educate the medical professionals who will be disseminating information to their patients as to what is healthiest to eat. They have to learn it. And in some cases, I've talked to some physicians who've told me, well, yeah, I know that's true. And in fact, I eat that way, but I don't even bother to tell my patients because I don't think they'll change. And sadly, for a large majority of the patients, that may be true, but I think it is imperative that physicians do tell their patients, do inform them. And in fact, Kaiser Permanente, one of the largest medical organizations in the country, just put out an endorsement for plant-based diets and has put together a beautiful brochure for physicians to give out to their patients to help them transition to this way of eating. So I think we need to be educated I think we need to get this information into the school system so that children learn from an early age what foods truly are health-promoting, vegetables and fruits and beans and whole grains and not dairy and not processed, chemicalized foods. And I think that people need to work together and educate each other. And that's why, again, one of the things that I enjoy doing is bringing people together. So I host a a monthly potluck called the Forks Over Knives Meetup in the Columbia area, or actually Clarksville, where people can come together, bring friends, bring families, bring neighbors, who they want to introduce to this way of eating and just share with each other. I also always encourage people to watch the movie Forks Over Knives, Mm. which is a wonderful documentary that's available on Netflix. And it basically introduces the topic of plant-based nutrition, talks about the story behind the China study, with T. Colin Campbell and also Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, and shows you what happens to the lives of about five or six patients who do transition to this way of eating and how it cures them, how they get off their medications and start really enjoying their lives.
2: Yeah, Forks Over Knives was an eye opener for me. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah. It seems like the insurance companies would get on board with this because, you know, as we we're living longer and some of these diseases are um, chronic diseases. It seems like it would behoove the insurance companies to get on board with wellness programs.
1: I I agree with you. The problem for the insurance companies is is they barely have their nose above water doing everything they're doing already. So I think while on the one hand, um, it would make sense in the long run, in the short run, it's um, expensive for them to add yet another benefit. But hopefully that'll change. And there's actually been some new legislation that is putting responsibility on hospitals to to provide more um, you know preventative type care in terms of instead of you know if if the patient comes back and their stent clogs up and then you just get paid to put another stent in you get one lump sum type of deal and you have to do the best you can with it and try not to have the patient back having their stent clogged up again.
2: Right. Right. Now, Dana, is, is there research being gathered now that this plant-based diet lifestyle works to reduce the incidence of disease? I mean, is there...
1: Is... Oh my gosh, there's so much okay. evidence, Connie. Talk about and that. It. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, there's multiple, multiple studies, but one group that's an interesting epidemiologic study is the Adventist Health Study out of Loma Linda. If any of your readers want to uh, want to know a little bit more about that, just Google Loma Linda Adventist Health Study. And that is a um, longstanding um, epidemiologic review of the Seventh-day Adventists who basically are generally healthy in the sense that they're not supposed to smoke, they're not supposed to drink, they're supposed to take care of themselves, and they're encouraged to be uh, vegan, but not all of them are. So it's a good group to study because they can literally take who's an omnivore, who's a uh, pesco-lacto-vegetarian, who's an ovo-lacto-vegetarian, who's a vegan, and they have been able to show that the vegans in every single disease category do better. They do better with obesity, they do better with diabetes, they do better with cancer, they do better with heart disease, every single parameter.
2: So that's a really good resource. And also the two of you have worked with uh, Dean Ornish and also um, Dr. Barnard. They've written some books. Can you talk about those? Maybe there's some something we could educate ourselves with there.
0: Sharon, you want to mention the books? Well. Um, Not so much Dr. Dean Ornish, but as far as Dr. Barnard, he has a great book called Reversing Diabetes. And then the book on cancer prevention that I always recommend is actually by Dr. Joel Furman, who wrote the book Super Immunity, Mm -hmm. which is a wonderful resource for teaching you what foods to eat to uh, prevent cancer.
2: Awesome. awesome. In addition,
0: one of the resources that Dana and I use and recommend frequently is a wonderful website by our friend Doctor Michael Greger. It's called nutritionfacts.org. org. And Doctor Gregor reviews all of the scientific literature on nutrition and basically puts it into a fun to watch video form so that you can really learn a lot about what's going on and you can Google it, the site is very user friendly so you can search for a particular topic and find out things like what's the best cruciferous vegetable for preventing cancer or what's the highest antioxidant containing apple.
2: Oh, that's perfect, Sharon, because we really do have to learn ourselves before we walk into the doctor's office, because otherwise, we're not armed. I want to talk about uh, possibilities for cancer prevention and diet with you. But I I want to cover one thing, because a lot of people say, if you go on a vegan diet, you're not going to have enough protein. And where do you get your protein? And that is such a myth. I, I went to one of your workshops, and you had Chef AJ, who's awesome, and she, she um, gave some really good statistics about protein deficiencies and really basically there are no protein deficiencies unless you go to some really underdeveloped countries.
1: <laughs> correct, that's absolutely correct, yeah. and they reiterated that this weekend. A number of the doctors mentioned that, that in this country and really in any country where people have access to food, there is no protein deficiency. The only time you see people with true protein deficiency is um, in this country if they're ill with a problem that just won't allow them to absorb food for some reason or places where people are starving. Those are really the only two conditions. And there's ample evidence that, the, that too much protein, which probably the, what our current recommendations from our government is, is really too much protein for the human body, will increase um, cancer, can increase kidney failure, can increase diabetes we were finding with the red meat. So it's one of those things that it's it's hard for people to get that through their mind because we've been just bombarded with this that if you eat protein, that somehow that's gonna be beneficial to you. And the other thing that was really a shock to me when when I switched over to a plant-based diet was realizing that protein is in all kinds of plant foods, I had no idea. For example, if you just look at a box of spaghetti noodles, there's a certain number of grams of protein in there. I was like, really? I thought that was all carbohydrate and it's not. And even, even green vegetables, green vegetables have a certain amount of protein in them. So basically there's really no rational reason for a person to be worried about protein when they go on a plant-based diet, but it is it is a, a, a common Uh, misconception that we've all had drummed into our heads. So it's normal for people to think that way.
0: Yeah, I think it's also important to distinguish between a vegan diet and a whole food plant-based diet. It's easy to be vegan and live on junk junk food and never eat vegetables. Mm. So when the diet that we're recommending for cancer prevention, is basically a whole food plant-based diet. It is a vegan diet in that it does not include any animal products, but it's a whole food diet because it relies on whole foods, like I mentioned earlier, the vegetables, the fruits, the beans, and the whole grains, and not processed
1: fake food.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that, Sharon. Let's talk about how a plant-based diet can help avoid the big C. What are your recommendations to your your patients and maybe you have or your your clients that come to you and do you have any success stories of uh, clients who have come to you and of course if if they never develop cancer that's awesome and you would never know if they were <laughs> but maybe someone who's who's had cancer and stayed in remission and changed their diet well, as,
0: as a certified health coach, I can't really work with people specifically as it relates to their disease.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, if they, when they come to me, they already have done their reading, or I introduce them to, to the books I mentioned to tell them about the connection. And so my role as their health coach is to help them transition. I've seen people have things like reduced inflammation markers, reduced cholesterol, reduced weight, but I think cancer is a tough thing to measure. So um, I can't say I have a success story in terms of cancer. Now, I will tell you about my father, who isn't really my client, except sort of accidentally, if you will. <laughs> but um, my father at age 76, he's about to turn 77, is doing amazingly well. And he is a cancer survivor. He has one remaining kidney. He had kidney cancer several years ago. He also had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. And he was on an antidepressant, and he was complaining to me that he was losing his memory about three or four years ago. And so I spoke with Dr. Barnard, who said that some of the medications he was on were causing memory loss and that it was important to get him to change his diet. So we made a bet, and the bet was that if he gave up red meat, just red meat, for six weeks and went back to his doctor and didn't see any change, that I would take him to Burger King, buy him a Whopper, and watch him eat
2: it. Oh, my gosh. His
0: his bet. So to make a long story short, six weeks later, he went back to the doctor, went in, and the doctor looked at his blood work and said, what have you been doing? My father said, nothing. And he said, don't tell me that. What have you been doing? Really tell me. And uh, the doctor, my father just kept saying nothing. And so eventually my father told him and the doctor came out and gave me a high five and basically told my dad that I had saved his life. And the interesting thing is that his kidney function is improving every time he goes back to the doctor.
2: And how is his depression?
0: it's gone. He's off of antidepressants. So now he's off of his statin. He's on the lowest possible dose of his blood pressure medication, and he's off the antidepressant, and he's lost over 30 pounds. His cholesterol off of the statin is lower than it was on it.
2: That's amazing. That's very cool. And I think we talked about this in our last podcast, Eat well, stay well, Sharon. Um, how when you switch over to a plant-based diet, it may not be like the most palatable thing to you in the beginning, but eventually your taste buds do adapt, and you start really craving those whole foods, those the plant-based foods more so than ever before. So
0: absolutely, we always say in my family that we enjoy food now so much more than we ever ever did. Now you can eat a piece of watermelon or a piece of pineapple or cherries or berries, and they taste like candy to us. Mm. Whereas before, when your taste buds are hyper-stimulated with all of those processed foods and refined sugar, you can't taste the sweetness in natural fruit. So, and it's been, and I always tell people, don't think about the things you're giving up. Think about all the things you're bringing in. When you go to the grocery store and you look at the bulk foods department and you look at all the different grains and beans and nuts and seeds that are available, it's amazing
1: what variety you have in this diet. Connie, if I can answer your question about the cancer, because it is hard to find anecdotal stories with cancer, but I'm going to give you an anecdotal one and I'm going to give you a a research on how the plant-based diet can reverse cancer. So Chef AJ, who you met, she had a uh, cancerous polyp in her colon or precancerous. It's the kind that turns cancerous. And she was supposed to go back and have it removed. And um, for whatever reasons, she ended up not going back. But in the meantime, she had gone on a plant-based diet. And when she finally did get to go back to have her colon Checked to see if she, if, if it needed to be, you know, to have it removed, the polyp was gone and the doctor said where did you go and have your polyp removed and she said well nowhere i haven't done anything i've just been following a plant-based diet and they said that's impossible you went somewhere and had that polyp removed they were absolutely could not believe that a plant-based diet would have reversed that polyp so that's an anecdotal story now in terms of research dean ornish is doing some fascinating work Um, some of your listeners may be aware that if you have prostate cancer in early stages, you can do something called watchful waiting not as many of us are now aware, not every case of prostate cancer goes on to be aggressive. So not every man diagnosed with prostate cancer has to rush to surgery or radiation. So Dean Ornish took 99 men who were in that watchful waiting period and they took half of the men, they actually literally sent them plant-based food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And as Dr. Greger said, they just figured the men were so lazy they'd just eat whatever food showed up at their door. And (laughs) thankfully they did. And the other men were just, you know, do whatever their doctor had told. And after a year, after a year, the the men who were following the plant-based diet, zero of them went on to have radiation or surgery, and their PSAs dropped over a point. The men who were just continuing to eat the standard American diet there were 6 of those men who ended up having to have either surgery or radiation cuz the cancer was progressing and their PSAs had gone up on average. Mm. So that's some hard science showing that in people you can reverse cancer with a plant-based diet. Oh, that's
2: amazing. Well, good. I'm glad that that Dr. Ornish is on it. So you guys are working so hard to get the word out. And if you happen to live in the Baltimore and Washington area, you are presenting some workshops. And why don't you talk about the one that's coming up in August? And, um, you know, it's here, but who knows, maybe somebody out there would would want you to travel to their city and and put this on. So tell us about the workshop.
1: Okay, well, I'll start because I'm the one that starts the conference and then Sharon can say what she does. So it's a This one, we've been doing these conferences now for a couple of years, and we've tried a few different formats. And what we've settled on, which seems to be easiest for people, is sort of a disease-focused conference. So the one coming up is on food and cancer, but we've also done one on food and heart disease and diabetes. And what I do is I spend about an hour reviewing hard science. This isn't information I'm just making up. I'm presenting hard data on the connections between food and cancer. And specifically in the one coming up, I review spices that can, uh, can reverse and prevent cancer. Exactly, like of the vegetables, which vegetables are the most powerful, which fruits are the most powerful. And um, then when I'm finished, Sharon, you want to tell them what you do? Sure.
0: So after Dana gives everyone the why they should do this, I give them the how. And I teach them the practical application. How do you know what to eat? And one of the things I do in that part of the presentation is some food demonstrations and sampling. So I incorporate some of the ingredients and foods that Dana discusses in the first part of the presentation. And we do about three different recipes and show people how easy it is to create these delicious meals. And then we talk about what products they can buy at the grocery store that are suitable, that will help them to live this lifestyle, how they navigate things like social situations, restaurant experiences, parties.
1: Uh, and then we give an opportunity, of course, for people to ask questions. And it's really, the, the cancer one in particular is um, it, it usually fills up. And we. We love doing it. Of course, we don't like doing it also because most of the people there are people with cancer and everyone has a a scary story. Um, But it's definitely one of those diseases that gets your attention. You know, I I wouldn't say that it's um, a miracle like that every person with cancer, if they go on a plant based diet, that they're guaranteed that they're going to um, have a, a perfect outcome. Unfortunately, um, the data with heart disease and diabetes is a little better for as far as uh, guaranteeing good results. But there are many, many uh, anecdotal reports and research studies showing that you can make your body a cancer fighting machine and certainly um, in- improve your treatment, whatever your treatment is.
2: Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to your workshop and if somebody wants more information about you, Dana. Uh, working with you or bringing one of your workshops to their city, how can they contact you?
1: Um, Well, at this point, I've got a website under construction, which is not so unfortunately. I don't have an easy website for people to go to right now. Um, My office is 410-563-1700. And my email is www.danasimpler at gmail.com and Sharon is uh, on www.eatwell-staywell.com. Yeah, so my email is
0: Sharon at- There she is. Oh, uh, she's back.
2: (laughs) Yay, we thought we lost you.
0: Yeah, Sharon at eatwell-staywell.com.
2: Awesome, yeah, we thought we lost you by Skype. That's always a danger when when we're talking by Skype, but I'm glad we didn't. So this, for more information specifically about the upcoming workshop in August, where where can they find that on your website, Sharon?
0: If they go to my website and go under events and upcoming events, they'll see the link and they can see the description of the class and purchase tickets as well.
1: Well, thank you. And it's not expensive. We've really worked hard to keep these things affordable. We we do all of these privately as private individuals. We don't have any grant support, hospital support, you know, company support. Um, so it's only $35 a person. That includes, you know, the whole presentation, the tastings, some take-home materials, recipes. So um, definitely anybody who's interested should make an effort to come.
2: Oh, it's such important work. Thank you so much for all you're doing to to just inform us of, of what we need to be doing to live happier, healthier lives. I hope you guys will come back and keep us updated as, as things continue to change for the better, hopefully, so. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you for having us, Connie. Yes, thank you, Connie.
2: Take Take care.